Hey everyone, this is Monica Michelle with Invisible Not Broken. I am going to be putting out a very special podcast this week and respect and props to all of my previous interviews. I got to be on the other side of it and talk about my experience with Ehlers-Danlos, fibromyalgia, POTS, and mast cell activation. Um, new, new huge respect for everyone who is willing to show their pink underbelly because that was a new level of scary, and my co-host, Kiros, was amazing at talking me through all of it. I wanted to do some quick little mentions, and if I get the names wrong, I'm so sorry, but I just want to say thank you so much to CNC, Auntie Kiki SC, Stockin' Girl, and Ms. Mosier for leaving us some very lovely and kind reviews. We could not do this podcast without kind, wonderful people saying good things about us and and giving us those lovely stars. So thank you so much. This week, like I said, we're going to go over my illnesses. We're also going to talk a lot about living in the United States with the healthcare system, the issues of parking in handicapped spots, the upsides of being sick since you are very young, because I started being sick when I was even younger than my daughter is, uh, the importance of help in your family. Thank you so much, California, for passing the POT initiative. Really appreciate it. It's the only way I can eat some days. How wonderful my kids have been in helping with our stainless and how to parent when you have an illness and a disability. That's a whole nother subject. And someday we're going to do a whole talk about it, but there's a lot of that in this. And chronic illness and relationships. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please press subscribe and please share us with a friend that you think might enjoy listening to us. We really rely on you sharing us around. I hope you enjoy the interview and have a great day. So uh, can you tell me your name, what it is that you have, and give me a little bit more information about it so I can understand? So my name is Monica Michelle, and we are now going to be co-hosts on Invisible Not Broken. And I'm 40. I just just turned 40, which has been very exciting. Um, And (laughs) I love that you say that. Um, I have Ehlers-Danlos, I have fibromyalgia, I have POTS, and I have to go in for um, a test for mast cell activation. Okay. Can you break each one of those down yes. and explain what oh, they mean? Because yeah. there was two of those in there. I don't know what they are. <laughs> That's fair. And um, they're all very rare, um, unless you have Ehlers-Danlos, because the gene for Ehlers-Danlos tends to come with a whole host of bullshit problems. So... Fun. Yeah. Oh, God. So many. And um, Ehlers-Danlos is a connective tissue disorder. So it basically means that my connective tissue acts like used glue on a post-it note where your connective tissue and ligaments act like Gorilla Glue. So nothing holds my joints together or holds up my organs very well or my eyes or even my brain. Some people with Ehlers-Danlos can get a syndrome where your brain leaks down your spine. Ooh, fun. There's always a new surprise. <laughs> like, just when you think you have your hand on this disease, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we just got you started. Yeah, I mean, I've known you a while now, and I've seen all your dislocations and random, like, oh, hey, this popped out just now. Yeah, so. it's a great party trick. <laughs> it's amazing, and I can get out of any social engagement. Like, yeah, no problem. It, it's. Uh, I actually did a little bit of research on it, and I guess people who are double-jointed have a mild version of this. Mm-hmm. It's called hypermobility. And then what you've done is you've taken double-jointed and gone kind of, you know. Because if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all the way to the wall with it. It's like, you know, 
I could be in Cirque du Soleil, but, you know. <laughs> but why? <laughs> but, you know, then they'd have to put me back together after the show. <laughs> exactly. Well, I had been a ballerina. I was very serious about ballet when I was younger, and this actually made me a great ballerina. I did not know I had this. Um, no one in my family has this. Everyone in my family has sides of hypermobility. Okay. And somehow I ended up the lucky lottery winner. To okay. get the full Eller stainless. So any joint in my body can dislocate at any moment from doing something as simple as pointing, standing up. Um, you had supposed to be coming over one day, and yeah. you heard me scream on the phone. Yes. And it was because I had gotten up to check the lunch I was making for you, and <laughs> I dislocated my tibia. Ow. So it really doesn't take a lot. You don't really know any movement you're making if you're going to dislocate. There's no way to guard yourself from it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Right. So that's the Eller Dan. That's the Eller Stainless. Eller Stainless. So type three. Yes. Type three. So then you also said fibromyalgia. Yes, which is the widespread muscle pain. And for most of my life, I was told that's all I had, and I still do have that. But, okay. um, yeah, that's the widespread muscle pain. POTS is posterior orthostatic tachycardic syndrome. Yeah. Say that four times real fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not if I want to breathe. Um, and that is where the blood doesn't come back to your heart easily. So you can, um, one of the diagnostics for it is if your heartbeat changes 30 beats per minute from sitting to standing. And okay. that's mild for me. Like I can go from 150 beats per minute and just plummet to 50 beats per minute. Whoa. Yeah. So I was trying to explain to my husband who is like, I think we can all agree. Anyone who knows my husband, the nicest, yes. most understanding human on the face of the earth, almost to a scary level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I swear. I knew him for three years before I would date him. I called him Mr. Rogers. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Just <laughs> really nice. Very sweet. And I, he, he tries to understand, but he doesn't. And he's always kind and he's always trying to figure out ways to make me feel better. But it's very hard to explain what this feels like. And someone had posted on Pinterest, which is my addiction, that having POTS... I know you're shaking your head at me. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know what I'm doing, I'm sitting somewhere on Pinterest. And um, they said that what it's like is to have go and donate blood. Mm -hmm. And then don't eat all day. And then don't eat for the rest of the day. Take two glasses of wine, drink that down, and then go into a sauna and stand up for 30 minutes. Ooh. And I feel like that was actually a pretty fair description of the nausea, vertigo, and this crazy feeling of your heart going like you are running t like the six minute mile, wow. but you're not moving. You're standing still. still. So I'm thinking that counts as cardio. <laughs> I okay. think I get to like put this off on my little Fitbit that I just ran just from standing up, if my heart rate's going to make it be like I'm running, I'm, I think this counts. <laughs> well, what's your, what's your watch say? Oh, yeah, so... When you do that. Um, but my watch says that if I'm actually running or moving, it doesn't. It doesn't give me credit when my heart rate goes up for <laughs> exercising. Well, that's not fair. And I think that's kind of an asshole thing of my watch. I feel like <laughs> I should get the full credit for this. For real? Yeah. So, fibromyalgia, POTS... Ellers, I always, always missay it. Ellers Stainless. Ellers Stainless, and you said a fourth thing. Oh, uh, mast cell activation. So I have to go in to get tested for that, but that's a very common thing with Ellers Stainless, and it's a histamine reaction. Your histamines go batshit crazy. They just decide that anything, anything you can be allergic to, and that could be like, I ate, and no, that was bad. That's a foreign body food. Oh, no. lovely. Uh, yeah, it, we have... um. 
groups on Facebook, like other stainless support groups, mm-hmm. and most of it is not like su- emotional support. Half of what we all say is this crazy shit is happening to me right now. Is it Eller Stainless or am I dying? Like, (laughs) which one am I on? And I had been throwing up for four days straight, couldn't keep water down. Right. And I hate hospitals with flaming passion. So I went on, I'm like, so, dying or Eller Stainless? And immediately everyone's like, hey, did you hear about mast cell activation? I think you should look into that. So I have to go in for more testing for that. I think that's true of anybody with an invisible disability is hospitals are evil. They are so dangerous for me. Wait, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah. Hey, I'm going to move you over here. Oh, no, that's a bad idea. Well, the scary thing is, is when they want to relocate a joint that's stuck. And um, there are ways to relocate someone where you don't actually have to force it back in. It's uh-huh. a trigger point where you're just pressing around the sad, scared, painful area. Uh-huh. And you give someone a ton of muscle relaxers. And then you just gently pump the joint until it slides back into socket. Okay. No soft tissue damage. It's awesome. I do it to myself daily. <laughs> and if it gets stuck and someone tries to ram it back in, I'm going to end up with so many more problems than when I started. Uh-huh. And with the pots getting um, stuck in beds, like the hospital beds, or yeah. stuck in the waiting room, which was five hours the last time I went in. I sat there for five hours with and I'm going to try to figure out how to explain this for people who have not seen how crazy this is, My um, the top of my arm was actually all the way front and center to my chest and just sat there for five hours, but I was getting POTS attacks from sitting up for too long. And oh, wow. Yeah, so the, uh, hospitals I avoid yeah. a lot. Yeah. That and the bills from the hospitals. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, living in America. Living in America. <laughs> we get to get billed. Um, the last one was uh, two x-rays because the first one they screwed up on. Mm. And five minutes with a doctor who I feel like I should have babysat. <laughs> and they charged me $1,200 for that. And I had no medication. <laughs> Did not take any other medicine. I would actually relocated my shoulder by hour five. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that you were a, a ballerina beforehand. Um, yes. What other things... Were you doing before all this? What else was what, I before what, this? Who were you before all this happened to you? So I kind of feel like I'm one of the lucky ones in the weirdest way. I've been sick since I was eight. I've been in and out of hospital since I was eight years old. And I say I'm lucky because I haven't had a day without intense levels of pain since I was even younger than my daughter. And wow. that's lucky because I watch the people who are just getting sick in their 20s or just getting sick in their 30s or 40s. And the adjustment is hell for them. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to be as limited as I am suddenly. Like, that would just... And I've built up so many, like, um, safeguards for dealing with daily pain. And coping mechanisms. So, oh, I am the queen of coping mechanisms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 critical, is that building that. And, and as someone who did have things come on later in life, you're right. It is suddenly, a, oh, you have to readjust your entire life. Oh, absolutely. So. And that's the other thing is I've built up a tolerance for changing my life. Mm-hmm. I had been a ballerina. I was certain that I was going to be the one that would make <laughs> it. Like, I will be the one. I will get to say, oh, that's so sad. Those people who tried so hard and didn't, but I was going to make it. And I would wake up at four in the morning to practice. I would practice the second I came home from school. I sewed my point shoes almost every day because I kept breaking point shoes. Um, but having to give that up was 
really hard, but I was very lucky that I was only 16 when I had to give that up. And I learned that what you do isn't who you are. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge lesson to learn because I have had to give up so many careers because of this. I yeah. had to give up, I mean, not the martial arts was a career for me, but I loved <laughs> it. There's nothing better than screaming and breaking something. <laughs> Fucking fabulous. Um, I had to give up, um, when I was a jeweler, I had run a business where I sold jewelry that I made and designed and it did really well. And then my hands started shaking and I couldn't do that anymore. Um, yeah, yeah I had to, uh, give up teaching. I've had to, um, I've had to give up traveling at least for right now, but I have built up a tolerance for giving up things and finding something new to do. Keep moving. Always. Um, what would you like people to know about what your daily, day-to-day life is like? Oh, boy. Um, so, like, those memes on the internet that really piss me off where you have, like, the person in the little shopping cart, th- or the shopping wheelchair at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And she's standing up and to get the oh, bottle yeah. of vodka, and someone's like, oh, miracle, in aisle 13. And it's like, oh, fuck you. You at least get a little educated about how different things are for different people. So I might be walking, and then you might see me 10 minutes later, and I dislocated my ankle in walking three steps. Or I might have dislocated my hip that morning and not been able to move at all, and then I've popped it back in, and now I'm walking down to pick up my daughter. Mm-hmm. So my mobility changes fast. Yeah, minute to minute. I've known you long it changes minute to minute. <laughs> You've watched it. Um, the pots also is another little play in that, in that I might stand up and I might go right back down. Yeah. Um, I have very little ability to know what things are going to be like day to day. So making plans gets very sad and frustrating for me and I'm sure others around me. Um, but really great friends that I have know that (laughs) I really like to be invited. I might not always make it, but I like the invitation. I think that one of the things that really frustrates me the most is that judgment level. You you mentioned a thing to me, uh, in passing a few days ago when we were talking, about a woman who gave you a hard time, and then like I think it was your son came around the car with your your and my daughter yeah daughter my came sticks. around with your sticks that you use yeah. so uh, to so you don't know that she has they look like sort of like crutches but they're sticks to help balance her when she's walking and they look super badass they look awesome they do <laughs> but you know but the wheelchair is too hard for me to take out of the car by myself right and it's too heavy and I'll dislocate my wrists and shoulders taking it out. Yeah, so I use the sticks. You mentioned that this yeah. woman, you pulled into a handicapped parking spot and the woman gave you a hard time. Oh, yeah. She just she was shaking. She was so mad. And she just pointed, she couldn't even talk. She just pointed at the handicap sign, pointed at me as I'm standing there by my door, holding onto my door. And my daughter's coming around with my sticks. And I put my hands on the sticks. And I'm like, well, thank God I'm at least being visible this time because sometimes I'll park in the handicapped spot. Well, I always do because of my pots. Right. And I don't know if when I'm in Trader Joe's, if I'm going to have, like, a soaring heart rate where I have to leave the groceries and get to my car as soon as possible. So it's, um, it'd be nice if people realize that, like, take a minute. Be gentle. Be kind. Like, just take a minute. You don't know what someone's health issues are. Right. You don't know why they're in that spot. You don't know what they need. And I'm lucky that I have the sticks in the wheelchair. I'm far more visible than a lot of other people. Yeah. And, and... What you said there is something I really want to touch on is that, um, you know, just because you're in good shape when you go in, you still park in the handicap spot and they're like, oh, you went, you walked in just fine, but you could have an episode while you're in there and you need to get back fast. And if you're at the back end of the parking lot, cause you thought, well, I'm going to try and make it this mm-hmm. time. 
then you're really screwed because you got to get clear back to the other end of the parking lot when you're having an episode of something. Oh yeah. And that's so even when someone sees you, if you had walked, you know, gotten out of the car and just walked in, mm-hmm. you know, you need that because if you have something go wrong, you need to get back to your car fast. So that's that's the other side of that. I mean, yes, you had your sticks right then, but it was a very valid thing that you may have needed to get back to your car fast and needed it to be there. Yeah. So. It would be amazing if people put more um, mental energy into how they can help someone than imagining what the other person is doing wrong. Right. I think it's part of our culture that we kind of want to shame people, <gasps> Yeah, sadly. what is up with that? I don't know. Um, do you have any life hacks that you want to share? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me mention a whole bunch of times TaskRabbit. Um, that has saved me so many times because I can't do any heavy lifting of anything. So any major, um, household chore that my husband is not interested in doing, or (laughs) I have not wrote my mother into doing, um, task grab is one of my favorite things. And I am so embarrassed at how much I love my Dyson V7. It's the cordless vacuum. Those things are lovely. I I have one too. Yeah. I swear they do not pay me. (laughs) I wish they did. (laughs) Um, I paid way too much for this vacuum, but I was so embarrassed at how much my husband does around the house as he takes on almost all the housework and I wanted and that's to that's in be addition to, to working a full-time job yes he works um like 40 to 50 hours a week and he has a huge commute and I was not able to get so much done because our vacuum didn't have like the the automatic rewind on the oh, yes. the cord so after I bent over to like unravel this cord pots had already struck in and I was popping yeah. my wrists out because it was 10 pounds. So every, like, vacuum, it was, like, at least two or three dislocations plus, right. like, POTS attack. The Dyson's awesome. So it's, like, my biggest life hack. It's only four pounds. Yeah. It's cordless. All of the stuff that I was having to do, all the steps just to get to vacuum the house. At least this is something I can do for him. And the slow cooker has been one of my biggest oh, life God, hacks. Yes. So for people who, like, seriously, if you have an invisible illness or you just want to make sure a meal is done... You can start it when you're still feeling okay in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize, too. Um, and I, I was actually reading about this last night, that, you know, it, it's back to that spoon theory thing. You have so many spoons in the morning. By the time the evening gets around, you may not have anything left. Oh my and gosh, that's yeah. when you have to try and fix dinner. <laughs> yeah. And, so, I mean, for you know those of us with kids, you know, we also have to make sure homework is done and chores have been finished mm-hmm. and... I also and, have a whole bunch of animals that like attention. And so being able to do all that in the morning when you have yep. your most energy is, yes, agreed. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. Yeah, that's that's one of my big life hacks. And the medical marijuana cream is, um, so we're in California. <laughs> um, yay, being on the West Coast. Uh, the cream is one of my favorite things to introduce to everyone because it is so incredible for inflammation. And it also stops my muscle spasming, which is the worst part of the dislocations. So can you go into a little bit more like what exactly you say? It's a medical marijuana cream. What's So it has um, a... Because I mean, to someone who's not necessarily here in California and familiar with that, that might mean absolutely nothing. Good point. Um, it's a topical. It's um, t- it's a high level THC, which doesn't actually go in through the bloodstream, so you don't get any high from it. But it is topical. It's put on muscles that are hurt or joints that are sprained or upset. Um, it's just an incredible anti-inflammatory cream. So instead of 
having to take even more pills on top of the entire pharmacy I have in my house. <laughs> um, this is this is something that I can do instantly that will at least take it down a half a notch, or it will stop the muscle spasming enough that I can pull the joint back into place. Okay. Um, oh, and children are my life hack. <laughs> and you're laughing at me, but... No, I've seen your kids, I know. <laughs> I will say, my kids, first off, are awesome, and yes. they are fantastic humans. I also taught them how to do things. They know how to do their own laundry. They know how to do stuff that's going on in the house. And we we talk very openly in my house. We don't hide anything. And I'm not saying that's the way to do it. I'm not saying it's not the way to do it. I'll find out when they're 30 if they are, like, shivering in a corner <laughs> and unable to live. Um, but this is how I've decided to raise my children. So they do know when I'm having an attack. They know when things are really bad. And they have been known to make dinner. They have been known to step up. My son has watched me struggle trying to clean something and being optimistic and stubborn, and he'll come over and go, hey, I, I've got this. Um, so awesome. just teaching kids, like, hey, there are things you can do to make everyone's life better here at this house. Yeah. Um, I want to go back on, you mentioned that you've had this since you were little, so how has this affected your relationships over your lifetime? A lot. Um, badly, <laughs> really badly. Um, one of the people that I thought was the one I was going to be with for the rest of my life, we were in our twenties and I was told that I was too sick. It was too scary. Wow. And, um, that was really, um, I haven't actually talked about this, uh, a lot, but, um, that did spiral me into homelessness because I've been with this person and their name was on the lease. Oh, wow. And I was in my last year of high, of high school, <laughs> my last year of college, um, <laughs> before I started. Yeah, very different. Time, very, very different. Um, and I was just getting ready to start my graduate program because I was going to be an English literature professor. And cool. Yeah, it was a cool idea. Um, <laughs> it's a very interesting idea. And I didn't have any money because I was a student. So the person I was with had just graduated, was... Uh, teaching and doing everything and um, had the money. I didn't. And when I was left, I didn't have a place to live and I didn't have money to get another place to live. So I spent four months living out of my purse, trying not to overstay um, times on couches, um, sleeping in my car. Wow. Uh, it was four months before I had a stable place to live. So, yeah, that's definitely a way that this affected relationships, but I think it's also something to think about when we talk about people with invisible illnesses is it's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. I got very lucky in who I married, and, I mean, I think we can both talk about, like, how we, yes. we married really nice people. Really and nice people we are really understanding. Yes, and we're also a lot... Uh, we're privileged. We, we do have husbands who who make enough money for our insurance we live in nice places and that's privilege and that's luck and there's a lot of people who are in this population who need so many more resources yes because i've been on the other side of it too not having a place to live not being able to afford the doctor's appointments not really being able to afford my medicine and not yeah. sure where i was going to eat or sleep um so you know i know that you share a lot with your husband and your kids, but is there anything that you do kind of, like, hide from them? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't talk about how sad I get. I am really good at being okay. I yeah. am fucking brilliant at being okay. I think that's the universal thing with people with invisible disabilities, that you hide 
yeah a lot of the, the the sadness that why is this happening to me kind of stuff and it's also like they're dealing with so much themselves that like you don't I don't know I don't even know how to talk about how sad I can get like what are the right words? Like, what's the word for I am terrified and sad, but you don't have to worry about me jumping off a bridge. Like, like yeah. what's that word of, like, really, really depressed and sad, but swear we're going to be okay. Right. And, and, and you know, you, they're already taking on so much. You don't want to, you don't feel like you want to add something else to their burden, right? That's very true. I mean, my husband deals with a lot, and this is a scary disease, like, or disease, that's probably the wrong word. It's a very scary disorder and illness, and... He sees a lot, and there was, um, I'd had a hell of a fucking week, and I was dislocating joints I hadn't dislocated before, and they were scary joints, like, ribs, and, like, the right wrist starting to dislocate is the most frightening for me, because I love art, and that's how I stay sane, and seeing that go away was frightening, and I was trying to talk to my husband, who, poor man, was exhausted and done, and I was sitting there on his, like, it was like 10.30 at night. The poor man was like five seconds from sleep. And I decided this is the time to have a really big, <laughs> deep talk because I'm upset. So, God damn it, you're going to hear all about it. And, oh, that poor man. And I'm talking to him, and he's just, like, wincing and still playing his game. And I'm like, what the fuck? Put your iPad down. And he's like, I really, I've heard all of it. I just have nothing I can do to make it better. And I just, I'm just at the end of my tether, which is why I think, one of the next things we're going to start doing is interviewing caretakers because yeah. I think there is a point where they're like oversaturated and bad news. Like when we watch politics and I won't go too much into <laughs> it, yeah. but I think anyone on any side would feel that there's an oversaturation of bad news. And yes. I feel like my husband is getting to an oversaturation of bad news from my illness the last few weeks because there's so much that's getting worse faster than we were expecting yeah. and is getting to be the most expensive hobby <laughs> you can possibly have because the surgeries and are it's talking such a about. Fun hobby. I cannot tell you how much it's given back to me. Yeah, you know, and like the stuff that that's really frustrating as well is like, what do you put your faith in? Yeah. Like, here's this thing that might work for you, and it's a very rare disorder, so there's like zero numbers on this. Yeah. But why don't you give it a try? Hey, did you try acupuncture? Are you ready for ninety dollars a week on top of everything else? What about chiropractics? What about, you know, and even the doctors are like, let's try this procedure. And then you see how much it costs. And it's like, okay, well, what's, what's the benefit? What do you yeah, see where, this where, going to? The, you know, where's the, the return on investment? Thank yeah, you. I was exactly a businesswoman. I, I was trying not to use those exact words. I ran a business for, oh gosh, 15 years. You know, what, what's the actual payoff from yeah. this? And that was the biggest question, was there's only one surgery that Stanford was willing to do, and the return on it was so low that the surgeon was like, it's our only shot, but I don't want to do it, because we're looking at three months of you wow. feeling better. And that's like feeling better while you're recovering, and then yeah. <laughs> going to go to hell again anyway. Right. Um, and, and you and I have talked about this individually before off of the podcast, but I definitely want to bring it up here about... Um, dealing with an invisible disability and healthcare professionals and <laughs> arguing with healthcare professionals, you know, that even to sometimes convince them that you actually have whatever this is that you have. So, Eller Stainless is a weird one, at least here in the Bay Area, because unless there's like two or three doctors 
specific doctors mm -hmm. that you need to say, yes, you have this. Otherwise, they write it down on your paperwork as suspected, which <laughs> makes a difference if you're applying for disability. Yes. Now, to get in to see these doctors, I waited three years. Holy. Three years on a wait list to see these doctors, and it was <laughs> crazy. Um, it's really frustrating to to talk to doctors about Ehlers-Danlos because the specialists I have to see for gastro, for optometry, for neurology, for, and we won't even list all of them. Um, I just watch them like look it up on their phones. Yeah, they have no, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about this since we started talking about doing this podcast and no one had ever heard of it before. It's a weird one and it affects so many things like I had a dental appointment that almost killed me because of the pots and oh. I did not know that if you get the, sh the numbing shot and you get the laughing gas that's an oh, upturn no, no, no. That's, that's bad in the first place yeah and I almost I, I did almost die from that and just little things that you should know like hey if you have Eller stainless you don't take pain medication well so like in a dentist appointment you can like the pain medication will go away in the middle of a root canal. Ooh. That's fun. <laughs> that will wake you up. That, yeah, that'll get your yeah. attention real quick. So to try to get doctors to take it seriously, I, I mean, I'm lucky that I have such visual dislocations. Yeah. They can't ignore me because I have a constantly sublocated shoulder. I have a constantly dislocated wrist. We can't get those joints back in place, which sucks, but it does mean I get taken seriously in a way that somebody comes in saying that this hurts, but they can't, you know, yeah. they don't have the horror, like, special effects <laughs> special that effect I have going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely does raise the, the bar on it a bit. Yeah, I've seen some of your dislocations, and it's like... What the yeah. hell am I looking at? Oh, yeah. no. It's and I worked as an EMT. <laughs> that is not supposed to be there. <laughs> and I worked as an EMT, so I'm used to seeing strange things, but you've, you've actually freaked me out a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird, because there's almost like a pride that you take in it. like, And it's almost like, no, no, look, look, look. Because he, I spent so many years being like, oh, my God, this hurts so fucking bad. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. It's not fibro. This is not following fibro. That when I actually finally have something to point to, I almost want everyone to look at it to go, <laughs> see, see, I swear I'm sick. I swear I'm actually sick. Look, you can see right here. And I think that touches on another thing, is that with an invisible disability, people do tend to discount you so much that when you actually do get proof, as it were, you do kind of, hey, hey, yeah. look, see, <laughs> I, I actually have a, I, I have proof now. Yeah. This isn't just in my head. No, I drive my husband things. nuts because every dislocation, I'm like, no, 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 feel. He's like... I really don't want to. <laughs> I love you, but I don't want to put my hand all the way into your socket of your arm. Like, I, I see that you can do it. It's fascinating, honey, but... No, thanks. Yeah, no, no. Sharing, no. Yeah, and it, it, it's, the kids get super grossed out, too. Like, the littlest gets really grossed out. Um, so we're winding down here a little bit, so I'm going to ask you the question that you love to ask everybody. <laughs> What's your favorite swear word? It's fuck. It is my favorite fucking word. Like, forget swear. It's my favorite word. It is the most <laughs> versatile word in the English language. It like, is. adjective, adverb, verb, noun. Like, it is it. Yes. And nothing feels as satisfying saying it. Yes. Which my poor husband was, like, super proper and sweet, <laughs> which is why it took three years. Oopsie daisy was what he would say. Oopsie daisy? Yes. <laughs> Dear God, I finally got him swearing now. I'm, I'm actually a little proud of it. I'm a little disturbed by it, but proud. Like, anyone just, knows if my husband swears, like, shit has gone down. I can totally see him saying oopsie yes. daisy, too. <laughs> it's like a little Clark Kent. <laughs> 
but no, fuck. That is the word. Always has been. And what are your biggest fears about the future? My wrist. Like, I... When I was 16, I was told I wasn't going to walk again. Like, I went in um, as a ballerina, and they're like, okay, you have two choices. You can keep dancing, and 18, you're in a wheelchair. You can stop dancing now. We can get you through some physical therapy. We've got a ton of surgeries lined up. And then when you're 30, that'll be it. And I was okay with that. I mean, I was like, great. So for two years, I'm going to hit the floor. I'm going to dance as hard as I can. I'm going to dance as well as I can. And then it's a wheelchair. Yeah, that's not my favorite idea, but I've got this. Um, So I've been used to, like, giving up things physically. Mm -hmm. My wrist terrifies me. My eyes and my wrist are, like, my non-negotiables because I'm an artist. Yeah. Like, I love music. I'd be sad to lose my hearing, but I swear to you, as a mother of children, there are times I could go, you know what? If I could just turn that <laughs> volume down, I mean, like, I'd be, I, I, yeah. I mean, I understand my grandma when she would, you know, like, anyone who wants to, like, anyone who wants to take out their earplugs, like, or their, I'm sorry, hearing earplugs, aids. hearing aids. So that's the other part of this disorder is um, word fog. So I will occasionally choose the wrong word. Okay. I never choose fuck wrong, though. That is always appropriate. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I, I do often choose the wrong words or I'll get my words mixed up. So I'll just have to be forgiven because there's no hope for it. So there you go. Um, so what scares me the most is the idea of losing um, the use of my right hand because I draw. And that's my painkiller. Like if I'm in agony, I will take and draw for four or five hours because I lose track of myself. Mm-hmm. And it's the place where I can just, like, free you. It's probably writing. It is. Yeah. And, I mean, I love writing. I've written books. I've written... Which is why when you said your yeah. eyes, that's me, too. Because if I can't see it or type on, write the page. Because I, I tend to be very... Um, I have a thing with my fingers where I, like, my I get off. I don't realize I'm off. And so I type, like, whole sentences or something that are just complete gibberish. Because my fingers are off on the wrong keys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. <laughs> so, yeah. If I couldn't, you know, see to so I could write, it would be a problem for me. Yeah, and I'm scared I won't travel again. Yeah. That, um, for financial reasons, for health reasons, um, that was such a big part of joy in my life. And I remember the last time I was in Venice, I took a piece of hair out, and I left it in the canal as a, like, I will come back. Nice. <laughs> or if I don't, a part of me is here. Um, it's it a little is. silly, but it just, it, it reminded me no, of... No, it's um, not silly. It's like, a- in Hearst Castle, they said how much he cried when he left Hearst Castle for the last time because he knew he would never go back. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of my biggest fears is that I won't see Paris again, which is my favorite city. Or I and you don't give me that look. I'm sorry. As I a, know as a you did not with, have fun. No, as a person with dairy allergies, Paris is yeah. not, is one big poison ball. Wine. There's wine. <laughs> there's wine. There's always but there's wine. wine here. There's California. something there's about here. a rosé <laughs> just sitting out in a Paris cafe. It's just, it's everything. And there's so many places I want to go. Like, my yeah. my list of places, like, I would need to go and travel for, like, five years straight to just get to everything. But it's such a big world, and it's such a big life. And that's what frustrates me about this, is there is so much I want to do. There's so much I want to see. I would be a very different person without this disorder. Mm-hmm. There are goals I would love to think I could meet. I would love to go into politics. I realize that the mouth I have on me would make <laughs> me highly entertaining in politics. But... I don't think, you know, in the current climate, I don't think it would be a hindrance, at least. 
Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, but the frustrating thing about this disorder is the word issue and that yeah. I get so confused so easily. And no one can confuse me like my 16-year-old trying to debate like yes. how much he gets to do on the computer. And if I can't fucking handle that debate, yeah. there's no way I could go in and really like sit down and talk about the things I want to see in this country and in the state and that I really want ideally for us to get to such a compassionate place yeah. of care for all. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm looking to see. So I just get to support the people I approve of in politics and I make all my calls, but even that gets exhausting and frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ha- ask one more question. I know that you've had um, bouts of being bedridden. Yeah. And, so can you kind of discuss with how that goes for you with when you have those? Because I want to I end on something that is more descriptive of, your, of like when you're having a bad episode. Because that's something that you know, you're talking about. And you, you, you've said how you can still get out and do stuff. But I also know you've had weeks yeah. where you just couldn't get out of bed. No, it's a great question because you never know. You'll never get LRC unless if you don't have it. You're born with it. Um, you don't know if you'll ever become bedridden. It's a sad fact, you know, even from like women who are pregnant, who can suddenly be told you're going to spend the next two months in bed to, you, you know, it's a, a very unpredictable life. Um, it's almost an act of meditation for someone who likes to be like, I hate wasting time. Mm-hmm. I cannot sit still, which is the ultimate irony for someone who <laughs> is like... In Stands a up and passes out or in passes a wheelchair. Out. Yeah, so if I'm sitting down, I have a book in my hand or I've got, like, a pencil or something. Um, bedridden is hard, especially as a mother. Yeah. And I've been bedridden a few times um, at different points where the kids were little. Like, when my son was little, I had massive surgery and I was in bed for a long time. And he was only two. Ooh. Yeah, so yeah, that's um, it's family legend because I had no one there at the house for most of the hours that I was there with a two-year-old, and I'd had uh, my my leg bones drilled into, and I had the ligaments cut and um, laced through my my shin bone and then screwed in. Yikes! Yes, <laughs> and I gave my son a, uh, a digital camera. It's like right when they first came out, and he would just walk around the house and take pictures of things and yell at me what he was taking pictures of. So I at least had a general idea of, like, what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he would come back every two or three minutes to show me the pictures. So we would do that for hours. Yeah. So there's a life hack, too. That's a, oh, gosh, yeah, please. You know, if you are stuck at the airport and your kids are bored out of their minds, give them a phone <laughs> with a camera. Tell them to take pictures of whatever they find that's interesting and talk about it. If it's, it's a phone, though, make sure they, you stay, they stay within eyeshot so they don't lay it down somewhere and walk away. Yeah, well, always keep, <laughs> keep smalls in the eyeshot. Um, for my daughter, uh, we had far more help. I had far more help when I had my daughter. And we began, when she was about three or four, darling slug days. Darling slug days? Yep, darling little slug days. And so whenever I felt like a slug and I could not get out of bed <laughs> or I dislocated everything and I couldn't move, um, we would curl up in the bed and we would do crafts from the bed or we would watch TV shows or um, I would read her books. We would tell each other stories. We would do these stories where I will start a story with one sentence and we will just go back and forth with story sentences. And that's nice. so fun. 
And then now um, that she's older, we still do this. Whenever she sees me feeling miserable, she'll ask for a darling slug day and we watch our favorite show, which is Supergirl. Because <laughs> I am raising a incredible little feminist critter and that has been our, our main show. We are head over heels for it. Awesome. I, I think we're done. I think that's it. We're all done? Oh, well, thank you. Here's where we get to the part of the show where I'm really glad that I am one of the co-hosts because I realized after listening that I left out a huge part of my experience and I get to correct that right now. My mom is a huge part of this and a huge part of how I can actually function and I really didn't know where to put this in the interview and I didn't want to put it in tools because my mom is so much more than that to me and without the family support that I have and I count that under extreme privilege, I wouldn't be able to function as a mom or as someone who could even start this podcast. My family support is everything, and my mom spends so much time taking me to all my doctor's appointments and making sure that all of my medical stuff is in into order, and she was the one who helped me get through disability. I don't think you can get through disability by yourself if you're actually disabled. It is such a head trip, and she was there for every step of the way and one of the best grandmothers. So I had to take at least a minute to correct that huge, huge error. I hope you listen to us next week. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast. I can't tell you how grateful I am. Until next week, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.